I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right. This is The Big Douglas Show. We won't number this episode, but we will enter in my good friend, Nathan Coleman. Nathan, how are you? Doing well, my friend. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, For those that weren't following along last year, we did a segment every week, an Inside the Numbers type deal. Uh, This We missed the first two weeks, but we are back at it, and I'm excited about that. So we will do this in a good, the bad, and the ugly format. We'll start with the good. Nate, what was your good from the game? So I know I'm not allowed to do this, but I have two goods because they both really just what they stood out. Okay. So, so first of all, John Allen, we all know him. We all love him. He's leading all interior defensive linemen in sacks. And he's also in the top three in total pressures. And that's next to guys like Aaron Donald. So I thought that was really cool to see. You're starting to see him kind of play at his peak, which, which, which you love to see. Uh, And then of course we have to talk about Taylor Heineke. I mean, why not? Um, So right now he ranks fifth in the NFL and adjusted completion percentage which is pretty amazing. And then on top of that, I looked, I, I, I dug into the numbers a little bit more and he doesn't, he has one turnover worthy play in his career for the Washington football team. And like a turnover worthy play, it's basically anything that's an interceptable pass or, or just a, a bad play basically. And this is like a predictive stat because it plays from game to game and year to year. And he, this year he doesn't have any turnover worthy plays. The only other guys who can say that this year for quarterbacks are Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and then somehow Carson Wentz. So it kind of gives you a better idea of how efficient he's being. I know that that interception from last week kind of sticks out, but that wasn't, I, I think the way PFF graded that, it wasn't really on him as much as it was just like a great play by the cornerback and maybe a misread there with the receiver. But I mean, he's been efficient. He's been the real deal, which has been surprising for me at least. Jonathan Allen, we talked about this on the on the pod yesterday with the guys from Trapper Dive. And Jonathan Allen, to me, watching the tape, looks way more explosive this year than I think I've ever seen him. I mean, the get-off is unreal, and that's not what I expected from him. If he continues down this path, they got themselves a, a steal on the deal they gave him this year. Yeah, uh, Heineke, I totally agree with you. He had a great game. The numbers – the numbers don't lie. I mean, I checked there, I think, but I believe he's first or second in total yards passing for through three games for any quarterback. The numbers are great. The other thing with Heineke I noticed, Nate, was that he played in the pocket. I don't know if he even had a scramble. And I'm sure the coaches said, hey, kid, don't forget, you know, the only reason you haven't been playing more is because you get hurt. So stay in the pocket. We need you for a whole rack of games now. Yeah, definitely. He's had a few scrambles, but not that many. Um, you'll kind of notice with him that at least something I've seen is he kind of has happy feet in the pocket. And if he doesn't see something right away, he's prone to just run to one side or the other. But if he could really just step up in the pocket and deliver passes, and that's kind of what you saw yesterday. But I mean, the other thing is like sacks. Sacks are, to me, they're more on the, uh, the quarterback than they are the offensive line. And we only saw one sack in that Giants game, and they barely had any pressure other than that one sack. And that one sack, I felt like it was on Heineke. It was he should have gotten rid of the ball or something. So that, that's something you really like to see. Like you feel like the offensive line hasn't played well, 
but they've only really given up like 16 pressures in two games, which, which isn't terrible considering some of the younger players they have. And I mean, losing Morgan Moses too. So it, it could be a lot worse. Well, that was going to be my good for the week. Cosby played fantastic. Now he's got to work on the pass pro. There's no doubt about that. And, and most young tackles have to work on the pass pro. Uh, and he has gone up against some stiff competition. It gets no easier against the Bills this week. A.J. Espinenza has been incredible. And that surprises me because people around the league thought that he wasn't going to have enough twitch to be effective as a pass rusher in the league. He's proving them wrong. Another big showdown for Cosme this week. What was the PFF run grade for him? Yeah, he finished. So he finished week one inside the top four. And again, this week he was in the top 10. So overall, he has one of the highest, like, you know, rumble blocking grades, which is really surprising. And it's like you said, if he could just put it together and, and, you know, be better in pass blocking, which he's shown capability to do. He has a lot of experience playing tackle on both sides of the ball. To be honest, he's played right and left side in college. So I think you're going to see ups, up, up and downs with any rookie, right? That's pretty normal, but we know that offensive linemen, the way they develop, it's linear, it's game to game, it's year to year. So they slowly get better and better. So if this is just uh, you know, cracking the surface, it's only going to get better from here. And, you know, I'm going to, I expect some really bad games to be honest, especially when you're going up against, you know, both sides of the world and guys like that. But, you know, I've, I've been really excited with him, but you talk about Buffalo. I mean, it's crazy how good they've been. They they've had 54 total pressures and in two games Um, to put that in perspective, like Washington has only had 32 pressures in two games. So 54 total pressures and eight sacks in two games, uh, which obviously they played against really bad offensive lines, but even, even still, like I, I wouldn't consider the giants or the chargers to have very good offensive lines. And we still only had basically half of what Buffalo had. So that's going to be the real test of the game is, is their pressure versus our offensive line. All right, let's get to the bad, which I guess in this scenario we'll use as a, as a not good but are not nasty. So bad is a tough word, but that's what we're using. So what do you got for the bad? Hey, we have to be honest here. Um, so, so for me, I, I was kind of looking at a few different things, but it's got to be our starting cornerbacks, all three of them. Um, they all rank outside the top 50 in PFF coverage grade. Um, and I, I expect that from a rookie. I don't expect it from William Jackson, um, especially with week one. I mean, he he only gave up like 13 yards receiving and had a pass breakup and an interception. I mean, he I would consider out of our all all the players on defense, he's one of the best players at his position. At least he's been in the past. So uh, it's kind of disappointing to see that. But all those guys need to step up. And I feel like uh, Fuller usually is really good in zone. Um, and he's kind of just str- struggled across the board. Like zone, man, it hasn't made a difference. He's been targeted. He's one of the most targeted cornerbacks so far this year, and it's because, you know, it's an easy reception. So you got to see that improve, and I'm sure you will. I mean, there's a lot of volatility with defensive backs. Like it goes up and down. So hopefully you see some improvement. Um, I think Josh Allen is a good opportunity because, you know, you could get some turnover plays or something like that. Uh, and, again, he can be really good and be lethal like he was last year. So I guess we'll have to see. The, the, you're right, and I like that pick. I am have been surprised by the corners, too. Fuller looks like he lost a step. You think that has more to do with the linebacker play, or do you think he's actually lost a step? I'm also, so, and to follow up on what you said, William Jackson was supposed to be an upgrade. I think he will be an upgrade over Darby. They only played 
man on 23% of the snaps, I believe. Uh, they brought him in here so that they wouldn't be quite as um, zone heavy and predictable. That's not what they've shown in the first two weeks, is it? Yeah. So, so Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, they, everyone knows what they're going to do on defense. They basically want to put you in third and long. They want to rush four and play man to man, sometimes with cover one, sometimes they'll, they'll zero blitz or something, but they like to play man to man on third down. And they got exposed doing that in week one. I mean, they just got torched. They had no, they had no change up. They had no like real game plan for, you know, man to man beater and the chargers just roasted them all game. But no, I do think, and you had mentioned the, the linebackers. I think that the linebackers haven't been great in coverage, obviously, but I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. Uh, most, If you look at like the, the game charts for passing, most of the passes have been outside the numbers to the cornerbacks on the outside. There wasn't really that many attempts to the middle of the field, but, but when, they do, when they do get a completion in the middle of the field, I mean, you just see John Bostick getting beat. You see a hole in coverage. Um, but a lot of that just has to do with like, it kind of goes back to something else we were talking about is just like on obvious passing downs, you continue to see, you know, two linebackers out there when you know, it's a pass. Like, I don't understand that. I, I'd like to see one linebacker and another defensive lineman or another defensive back. That five, one, five that we talked about last year, a bunch the other day, I, I was happy. It didn't look like it worked uh, the way they had hoped, but they definitely were using it more, which I think they should be. That was going to be my bad Nate with the linebackers. Uh, I don't think they're as awful as the ugly, maybe, but heavens, Bostic is just not good. And if, if you convince me, if you tell me that he's out there because of his brain, well, that's all right. Then be in position. But his problem to me was that he wasn't in the right spot a whole lot of times. So we know he's not going to make up with for it with his athleticism. So at least if your brain is supposed to be why you're out there, you ought to be in position. And he just wasn't. Yeah, it kind of wasn't great either. I mean, what is this? Either three or four for Holcomb? Uh, this was supposed to be a huge year for him, and I'm not seeing it yet. Yeah, I, I think Holcomb has been kind of underwhelming. He's had a lot of tackles, and he hasn't, like, out of all the guys, I would say the guys who have missed the least amount of tackles has been Holcomb and Cam Curl. Um, but yeah, with Bostic, I mean, it's just veteran deference. That's what it is. It's kind of like, if you flip the side of the ball, why does why do the Jaguars have Carlos Hyde? And why does he get so many touches when he's old and slow? It's that veteran deference. Like coaches go back to things that make them comfortable. They don't feel comfortable playing Jamin Davis at a full snap count yet. And I don't know why that is. I think they just want to ease him into it. It's one of the slowest position, positions in the league to develop. So that I understand. But I'd rather have someone athletic out there who can make some big plays and maybe give up some other big plays than a guy who has no upside. Um, and that's kind of how I feel. And I understand, like, you know, there's the whole, uh, like, he's the captain of the defense. He calls it defensive plays, stuff like that. But, yeah, he, he is a liability. And teams pick up on that. Teams will pick on him. And we play in a division with a lot of really, a lot of really good skill players, a lot of good running backs who can run routes out of the backfield and tight ends as well. I mean, you think about like Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, Blake Jarwin, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Evan Ingram, Saquon. You got a bunch of guys who can create space on their own and they're looking for mismatches like that. Um, so yeah, Bostick's definitely a liability. That's probably the person I would you hit snaps have to go down for me. His snaps have to go down. I, I'm still pretty confident that Holcomb can at least be like a replacement level linebacker, if not more than that. He was really good last year. Um, I just don't think he's like 
he's not going to be like a pro bowler or anything like that, but he's still, he's still a good player. Um, but you're right. Uh, going back to those five defensive linemen, I mean, why not put like your best players out on the field, even if it's five of them and it's kind of unorthodox, but what it does is it creates one-on-one matchups for your best players. And that's something you need because some of these guys are just, they're getting double team. They're getting triple team. They're just not able to take advantage until they get those one-on-one matchups. And that's, that's the way to do it. So either have five defensive linemen, or put Cam Curl out there instead of Bostic. Um, those are kind of two solutions I have. And you don't have to do it every time. Just make it a changeup, right? Do it yeah. when the offense isn't expecting it, and then they have to game plan for it, and then you can go from there. And we'll wrap with the ugly. Nate, what was the ugliest from the game on Thursday? Also, doesn't feel today's Tuesday. Doesn't feel like it's Friday since we played on Thursday. It feels like the game was a long ass time ago. Yeah, it feels like the game was just like last year or something. I don't even remember what happened now. Like, I feel like I got, you know, you watch the game tape on Friday and then like you have the NFL, you know, week two. And I don't know, it feels like a while, but really excited for the next one. But the ugly uh, people aren't going to like me for this one, but I'm just being honest. And let me just caveat this with, you know, it's only two games. It's a really small sample. Um, things will get better, but it's it's Chase Young. So Chase Young has the third most pass rush snaps of any edge player. Third most. He has 77 snaps so far, just rushing the passer. Um, But he ranks 85th in pass rush win rate, 85th among all edge players. And then he only has four total pressures on the year, which is like 45th in the NFL. He's just not generating pressure. Um, He's not really being disruptive. And maybe part of that is getting double teamed. I'm not really sure, but they've had a lot of pass rushing opportunities and you're just not really seeing any efficiency from him. Uh, Montez Sweat has been a little better, but even still like you, I'd expect more from those guys. And I think you're going to see it like crank up, uh, you know, as we play more, hopefully we see it this week, but yeah, Chase Young, you want to see more efficiency when you have that many pass rush snaps and you're not seeing it right now. And then people are going to say, well, he's really effective against the run. Like he's been okay against the run, but like nothing, Nothing to write home about. He's not I mean, getting paid. He didn't get brought in to be good against the run. No, and I have like full confidence that he's going to like reach his ceiling someday. But like, I think people confuse like the potential to be an elite player with actually being an elite player. And I don't think he's quite there yet. And I didn't think he was there last year. I think he was awesome for a rookie. Like, just def- you know, he he met and and exceeded expectations. Um, but that doesn't make you an elite player as a rookie. Like, you got to see the next step and the next step. And like, to me, like Montez Sway is a better pass rusher right now. Um, and I still think he has a big ceiling too. So when you see these guys start to hit their peak though, that's when you can get really exciting. Yeah. That's when you can get really excited, but like really this team for them to be really competitive for them to win double digit wins this year, they're going to need to play with the lead more. If you play with the lead, then, you, you know, you can rush the passer, you can pin your ears back and you know, they have to throw the ball and that makes it a lot easier to generate pressures and sacks. So that's, that's kind of a catch 22 because then the offense has to be better. So we'll see what happens down the road, but obviously we're expecting huge things. And so far they're not quite meeting those expectations. It feels like they have, the teams are using his nastiness and aggression against him. Uh, you can run right at him because he takes the first man and just wants to obliterate him. I'm fine with that. But I went back and watched the tape and watched him chuck a guy while the running back went right by him. You know, it's like, so I I wonder if he's not trying too hard right now. 
Yeah, I, I think that adds up with just watching tape a little bit. I think uh, he has a nonstop motor. I would say he has the best motor I've, I've seen on the team in a really long time, to be honest. But sometimes you, you need to be a little bit more patient at the point of attack. And sometimes he almost is like too quick initially, and then he's he's out of position because of it. And like Sweat, when you watch him, he's a little bit – he doesn't have the same like get off, obviously, um, but he's a little bit more patient. And sometimes that plays to his advantage. But, I mean, I, I expect these guys to just dominate and kick ass. And, you know, like eight games from now, we'll probably be – this will be a, non, a moot point by then. So uh, it's just – it's early. And the other thing is, like, it's the Chargers and the Giants. I have no idea how good their offensive lines are. It's kind of hard to say at this point. I don't think the Giants have a good offensive line. And I don't, the Chargers are maybe middle of the pack. Like, I, I know Rashawn Slater has been amazing, but – I mean, that's still like a rookie. I mean, you make him look like he's an all-pro. My my ugly for the week is the coaching players' decisions. Give me what seven snaps, 44 yards for Humphreys. How many snaps did Cam Sims have? You have it up there? Um, I can pull it up. He didn't have a lot of – Way low. I mean, on – Seven receptions, 44. They – they finally threw the ball to McKissick this week. They didn't get not one target in week one. Uh, how many for Cam Curl? I think he finally went up. I mean, you're looking at defensive snaps for Landon Collins up in the 50s. Too many. Too many. I don't understand that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Curl only has – yeah, Curl only has like 88 total snaps. Um, if you look at their total Incredible. snaps, like, yeah, Landon Collins has more. Uh, Bobby McCain has more. Uh, Curl just needs to play more. I mean, I don't know. You can put him out it's there. Probably as inappropriate. A, yeah. It's probably inappropriate that he's not leading all safeties and snaps. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And he's graded out really well. Um, he looks good on film. I mean, it's the same player. He He's a weapon. You have to use him if you, if you want a weapon. But yeah, I mean, uh, Cam Sims, I think he has like five snaps all year. And they're all during like run blocking, basically. That's what they used him for. Right. Um, so and, he, and that's he's okay. He yeah, I mean. Last year. He was, he was good last year, but like, I think part of it is like they had no one else. So when you have no one else, like the targets have to go to somebody. So they went to Logan Thomas, they went to Cam Sims, but you know, like getting targets is a skill. And when you have more players that, you know, it's like Diami Brown, they invested that third in him. He has upside. So I understand why they want to get him out there, but you could still use Cam Sims a little bit more in some other packages. Um, I'd still like to see him a little bit more, but it kind of makes sense. Like Diami Brown, I want to see those stretches where he struggles. I want to see the up, ups and downs because he's a rookie. And we've seen so many good rookie players that have come out early and just had had success if you give them that opportunity. Like I think every year you see that like T Higgins at first, like T Higgins wasn't playing a lot and then he got going and, and sure enough, he just blew up. And there's a guy like that every single year. So I expect Diami Brown to be a, a splash player this year, especially once uh, Curtis Samuel comes back. But yeah, Kim Sims, I mean, you can use him more. I mean, why not? It's, I, I don't know. I don't know who you sub him in for, I guess. Like, you can alternate with, with Diami oh, Brown, but, he'd, he'd I mean. get half of Humphrey snaps if it was up to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Humphrey's to me, is just like a replacement-level slot player. He's not bad Maybe. or anything. Seven, but he's recep- not, seven receptions, 44 yards. Yeah, he, he's not he's not like anything special. He's just like your slot player. Like, I'm glad he's on the team. You need, like, some backup slot players, but – I mean, yeah, you, you'd like to see more rotation there, um, but I don't know. I, I think with Heineke, you're going to see a, a less of, like, the slot player and more of, like, Logan Thomas and McMorrin, kind of like you saw against the Giants, and that's what you want. You want to give your most efficient players and your most explosive players the ball the, the, 
as much as possible. So, so that's Terry McMorrin and that's why he had like a career day. I mean, that was great. We, uh, we covered six things today. Which of them is the most important to correct before we face the bills on Sunday? Yeah. The big thing is how are you going to deal with Buffalo's pressure? I think that's like number one, like how can you stop them? 54 pressures in two games is like unheard of four sacks per game. I mean, that's big. They're, they're going to be a lot to handle. Uh, And then on top of that, uh, we generate quite a bit of pressure, um, but it's a matter of getting home with Josh Allen. He can make a bad play look like a good play easily. Um, He just being able to create off script, and throw off platform, it makes it a lot harder as a pass rusher. So that's something you're going to have to prepare for. And then on top of that, he can run the ball. So it's like Cam, it's like Cam Newton, but if Cam Newton was like a better thrower, I mean, although like this year, like, man, Josh Allen has been way off. He, 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 I know like they blew out the dolphins, but if you go back and watch that game, he really struggled throwing the ball. He was really inaccurate all day. It was more just that the dolphins, like (laughs) the dolphins, uh, the pass rush couldn't really get to him. And that was a big part of it. But Allen's been off. I mean, especially his like intermediate and deep passes. Well, he's only got that one year. You know what I mean? To me, he still got to back it up. Last year was, was that an anomaly or is that, you know, is that who he is? Well, we've yet to Yeah. I, I've never seen a quarterback increase his completion percentage in that manner. Um, I've, I've almost never seen it. It's kind of unheard of. Um, but Buffalo is a really smart organization. They understand like, okay, we need to put the ball in the hands of our best players as much as possible. We need to get better talent around our best players. And they went out and got digs, which everyone thought was like an overpay. But I mean, they just throw the ball at will. They don't care about like, you know, trying to play a game possession or anything like that or protecting Josh Allen. They throw the ball as much as possible to create big plays. And that's all they did last year. Um, And that's why they have such a big ceiling. Even if Josh Allen like has a, a a lower floor than most because he, you know, he turns over the ball sometimes, but no, I think he, I think he's good. Like, I think he's a stud and there's only like three or four quarterbacks that can create off script the way he can. And he might be the only one who's like that lethal of a runner too. Cause like Lamar Jackson is good. Like he's a, he's a better runner for sure. But Lamar Jackson like isn't very accurate and he can't, he's not great throwing on the run to be honest. Like he, that's not really his game. So, so I think like Josh Allen, like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, guys like that, they just, the way they can create off script and then throw the ball accurately. I mean, that's just a game changer that you wish you had in your team. All right, Nate, we uh, tell the people where they can find you, what you got coming up next. And of course we will see you here again next week. Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at Jayhawk Chalk, and I'll be I'll be uh, on some podcasts for full press coverage. They got a new podcast over there, so you can check that out with George. Um, but yeah, I'll be around. I'm going to be a little more active on Twitter now that I actually just got ready to move to the DMV area. So I'm going to have a lot more free time, time to go to the game, time to watch some more tape. So it's going to be an exciting time. Well, enjoy the district, my friend, and uh, we'll do it again next week. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks, man.